When some of us gathered for a service on Ash Wednesday, the week before last, Pastor Seth told the gathered group that we will be talking about the phrase, Jesus as, throughout the season of Lent. That will be a theme that carries us through. And then he offered an opportunity for those of us who were participating in that service to think about our own Jesus as visions and ideas by writing them down on small pieces of paper and then placing them on a large wooden cross near the front of the sanctuary. The next day after the service, we moved that display of a small communion table and the large wooden cross in front of it out of the sanctuary into the vestibule near the door to the courtyard where it will remain for the rest of the Lenten season with pens and papers and tacks still available if you would like to add to it. Some of the papers tacked to the cross say things like this, Jesus as peacemaker, as wise counselor, as shepherd, as anchor, as savior, as friend, servant, mystic, Jesus as teacher, healer, giver of hope, Jesus as the ultimate example of how to live, as love, as a growing tree, as guide, as loving acceptor of all. It's an expansive list describing how we see Jesus, but also how we feel about Jesus and what we identify as expressions of Jesus' character and identity. It's a list rooted in our beliefs as well as our imaginations. Anyway, that's the list that rose up from those of us who were here on Ash Wednesday. But we also have a Jesus as list going for the rest of this season based in the scriptures as we have Jesus as themes for each Sunday in the season. So last Sunday, on the first Sunday in Lent, which featured the scripture story of Jesus in the wilderness, a story of Jesus in a time of vulnerability because of physical deprivation as well as spiritual temptation, we focused on this Jesus as image. Jesus as vulnerable seeker. And now this Sunday, this morning, with a scripture in which Jesus calls Herod that fox and describes his own desire to gather the people of Jerusalem together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, how about considering Jesus as mother hen? And as the weeks go on and the scriptures in Luke's gospel continue, there will be themes and thoughts about Jesus as diligent gardener. Jesus as dinner party host, Jesus as hospice patient, Jesus as cause for celebration, and finally, by Easter, Jesus as resurrected hope. But today, Jesus as mother hen. At the beginning of today's scripture, the Pharisees come to warn Jesus that he really should get away from the place where he has been preaching and teaching because, they tell him, Herod wants to kill him. I'm not sure if it's a warning born of concern or calculation, but I suspect the latter because if you read the several chapters heading up to this moment, 
Jesus has been really hard on the Pharisees, calling out their hypocrisy, questioning their motives, challenging their religious practices. So while it is possible that the Pharisees might be warning Jesus in order to save him from Herod, I expect it's more likely that they are using the threat of Herod to get Jesus to clear off. In any case, Jesus responds to their warning by taking it at face value. He tells them, go and tell that fox for me, listen, I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work, yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. In other words, he's saying something like this. Tell Herod, and perhaps be aware yourselves, you Pharisees, that I am going to continue to do what I do. I have work to do. The work of mercy. The work of healing. And I will not be dissuaded or distracted from that work. My focus is on the protection and nurture of those who need protection and nurture. I am not driven by fear. I am driven by compassion. It sounds like the words of a person who has enormous emotional resources, resources of strength and courage. But the strength and courage that Jesus is naming is different than what is sometimes presented as strength and courage. What Jesus is offering is not the strength and courage of fighting back or of defending oneself. Rather, it's the strength and courage of wading into the impossible without the need to control the outcome. It's the strength and courage of wading into the threat without the need to respond in kind. That's why the image of the mother hen is so important and so striking. The mother hen is not the mother bear. The mother hen is not the mother lion. The mother hen does not have teeth or claws to defend herself and her young. All the mother hen can do is gather her chicks under her wings to shield them because she doesn't really have the tools to repel an attack or to mount a counterattack. All she has is the strength of sacrifice motivated by love. You've heard enough about my duck experiences by now that it probably doesn't surprise you to know that I joined a Facebook group that's called Raising Ducks. I joined the group a couple of months ago because I was looking for a way to gather firsthand information about what to do when one of our ducks disappeared and I wasn't sure what to do for the one that was left behind. Did I need to get another duck? Could she make it on her own? I was curious, too, about different breeds of ducks. If I should get another duck to go with the remaining one we had, what kind should I get? What kinds do people like best for pets? I was able to gather some of the answers I was seeking by reading posts on the page, but what I also discovered is that being in a group like that 
monitoring the posts anyway is nothing like being in the church Facebook group. In the church Facebook group, the people in the group care about each other. Yes, we share information, but we function as a community of genuine care. In the Raising Ducks group, the focus is primarily on information and often anticipating criticism or even contempt. When someone posts a question to the group, they'll even say, please don't criticize me. I'm new to this Raising Ducks experience, and I just have this question. I never post in the group, but I have read quite a few posts by others, and one thing that has become clear to me is that some people do everything they can to protect their ducks, while other people do very little to protect their ducks. And not only that, but those who do everything they can to protect their ducks seem to have great contempt for those who let their ducks free range. The protection crowd knows that ducks are vulnerable, and if you don't protect them, they may die, And because, because, quite frankly, they can't protect themselves. So, for example, someone will post, I'm so sad, a hawk got one of my ducks today. And the first comment will usually be, well, did you adequately protect your ducks? Do you have fencing and netting and a covered run and a secure coop and a barking dog? And so on and so forth. If not, then you got what you deserved. Well, it's not always quite that harsh, but pretty close. Those people revel in being realists. Ducks and chickens are prey animals. And the world is full of predators. If you don't take every step to protect prey animals, they will become prey to the predators. Most domestic ducks don't fly, they can't fight, they run for cover, of course, but that doesn't mean they can always find safety. So the protection crowd recommends actively and even sometimes aggressively protecting your fowl. Posts about shooting or trapping predators or releasing the guard dogs are not uncommon. Put up fences, cover the run, only let your ducks out when you're there in the yard to protect them. But at the end of the day, you might also need to get rid of the pests, the predators, or else suffer the consequences. Now, there is truth to that. We learned the hard way. We had two ducks and one was killed. We got another duck and that one disappeared. And both incidents happened when the ducks were free to move about in the yard. So we have one left. But that remaining one is free to come and go. She hasn't signed a waiver acknowledging the risks of being free to go in the yard, but I suspect if she could sign such a waiver, she probably would. So I'm not going to lock her up safe and sound during the day, and I'm not going to sit in the backyard with some kind of weapon to, to protect her from any threat that may come along. Instead, as I've said before, I'll close her in the coop at night, and when she wants me to, I will pick her up and hold her until her quickly beating heart slows down, and the rest of the time I will give her the freedom to go where she wants, when she wants. Now, 
I say all of that. And then last night, I went outside after the darkness had fallen to put her away for the night, and there was a big raccoon outside my back door. And I didn't see the duck, and my heart dropped. Had I failed to protect her? The raccoon ran away, that big old monster. I opened the coop, and the duck was cowering in the corner. I put my hand over her, safe for now, but the world is a dangerous place. We, of course, know that. The news headlines are heartrending these days. Refugees, bombs, civilian casualties, people fleeing for their lives, people losing their lives. Men of all ages pressed into military service, piles of rubble and burned out cars. It's hard to know what to do with those images. It stirs those fight or flight impulses. Defending home and hearth seems noble and right. Perhaps it seems that there are clearly good guys and bad guys, except the world is always more complex and more complicated than that. What about the soldier who didn't sign up for this and is thrown into the fight anyway? What about the person who has relatives in two warring countries, was raised speaking both languages, loves more than one culture? What about the person who doesn't want to run or fight? What about the person who can't run or fight? What does strength and courage look like then? It's hard to think about things like nonviolence or loving the enemy at times like this. Because our instincts are towards self-defense, towards survival, not towards self-sacrifice. But then we remember the mother hen. She isn't thinking about attacking. She isn't even thinking about defending herself. She's thinking about sheltering her chicks. She spreads her wings to shelter them from threats that come from above. The predator will have to go through her to get her chicks. She does not fight back, but she does not back down. Where does that put us, we who identify with Jesus, we who claim the mother hen as our example, our hope. In her reflections on this passage, Lutheran pastor Jennifer Mullen Kovash, <clears throat> excuse me, Kovash writes, Truthfully, I'm a bit uncomfortable with identifying with the chickens here. 
I don't feel like my life is in danger on a regular basis, and for that I'm grateful. I don't feel like there's a fox trotting around the perimeter of my life, eyeing me up for dinner, catching me unaware. For many people, there is a reality to that feeling that I can't comprehend. But the truth is that there are lots of things that keep us from living fully. And most of them boil down to fear. And fear is very foxy indeed. The fox that tells us that we aren't good enough, that's fear. The fox that says your barnyard is changing and maybe you won't fit anymore, that's fear. The fox that tells you that you don't have enough, that's fear. Fear is so very foxy, especially for chickens like us. As it stands there, pretty against the snow, powerful and destructive, we can feel our feathers quiver a bit. Fear doesn't have to ransack the coop to bring havoc to our lives. So what do we do, she continues? We look to Jesus' example. He doesn't hide, even though he knows he will die. Go and tell that fox that I'm busy, bringing good news to those who need it, being the hands and feet of God in this world. Go and tell that fox that I've got better things to do in this world than huddle in a corner waiting to die. Go and tell that fox that we're busy living, but when the time comes, we'll be under the wings of Jesus. Come along, chickens, she concludes. We've got some living to do. There are plenty who put their faith in the fox. We put our hope in the hen. We are not strong enough to stop every threat. But we can be courageous enough to face every fear. And we don't have to give in to fight or flight. Sometimes we can just stay right where we are and spread our wings for the sake of the vulnerable, the young, the weak. We can spread our wings because Jesus spreads his wings like a mother hen. Go and tell that fox that I'm busy bringing good news to those who need it, being the hands and feet of God in the world. Go and tell that fox that I've got better things to do in this world than huddle in a corner waiting to die. Go and tell that fox that we're busy living, but when the time comes, we'll be under the wings of Jesus. Come along, chickens. We've got some living to do. Amen.